Welcome to the Instant Reaction podcast of the 2020 World Athletics Half Marathon Championships. My name is Michael Doyle, and I'm joined by Alex Sear. Alex, I think I got that name right. I always forget the athletics part about the World Championships uh, and these titles. I thought you meant my name. You, Yeah, I think you got both right. How could we get your name wrong? Uh, it doesn't get any easier than that. Uh, you think. We just finished talking our faces off for the last two and a half hours uh, together, watching this World Championship half marathon uh, unfold in Poland on both the men's and the women's side. We're going to break down the women's race first. We're going to talk about the men's race Uh some of the storylines that we thought were most compelling, uh, I right away, the women's race was wild and super exciting. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to talking about that. We've got a pair of stars that have emerged from this race. The top most intriguing athlete going into the men's race uh, didn't quite live up to expectation, but we can debate that a little bit because he still did perform really well. And of course, we're going to talk about given the situation in Poland with COVID, whether or not this race should even happen and whether we're going to regret this in the next couple of weeks, as well as what these World Half Marathon Championship results mean, both in terms of the state of running and also what to look forward to in 2021 if we have big races. <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, and finally, the topic I think we're going to tackle is, you know, I know we're going to tackle is whether or not this is sort of my hot take. We'll get to this at the end, whether or not this season in fact turned out to be like a lot more fun than it would have been if COVID didn't happen in a weird way. Worst year ever turns into most intriguing year ever in running. I don't know. We're going to talk about that. Alex and I will debate about that a little bit towards the end. So let's get right into it. Uh, Alex, the event took place in, hold on, wait for it. Oh, I screwed it up. Gdynia. There we go. Hello here. Gdynia. There, Gdynia. 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 Gdynia, Poland. I have been messing that name up for the last few days. I think I was calling it Gdynia. Um, like Papua New Guinea. Yeah, so it's Gdynia, Poland, which is a a rather interesting northern port town of a couple hundred thousand people in Poland on the Baltic Sea. And we got to see quite a bit of that ocean front, uh, the beachfront area, because the race finished there. It was a 5K loop course, it went around four times uh, for the 21.1K event women's race started first let's talk about the women's race it was uh i think far and away the most exciting event of the of the two uh alex like what's the what do you think the 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 big number one takeaway from that race was race uh was exciting but it was not at all what we expected so coming in i think the race was marketed as like a battle between a really strong quartet of runners. So you had the current world record holder, Ababel Yashane. 
You had Jocelyn Jepkoski, the former world record holder. You had Perez Jepchirchir, the women's only world record holder. And then Netsaned Gudeta, the former women's only world record holder and defending champion of the event. These were the four pillars. But the story of the race were falls. There were a bunch of falls, two main ones. And what resulted in it was a battle between three people and only one of those big marquee names were left in the race so it wasn't at all what we thought you know before before the before the race we did a we did a predictions podcast and you put your money on perez jeff cheer cheer yes who and i put my money on three other runners and i still ended up losing i don't know how that happened but jeff cheer cheer was a good choice she she won in 2016 so these championships, as we mentioned before, they happen every two years. Uh, Gudeta was the winner in 2018 from Ethiopia, and Jep Chirchir was was the previous champion. And, you know, she was near the front, kind of stayed out of trouble. The first fall was Netsanet Gudeta, who apparently just, just you know, missed a step and, and fell on her own. Yeah, that was really and weird. That was really it weird. It was odd. Let's talk, about was that. odd. Let's talk about that for a second, because Gudeta was in that lead group. It was a nice group. Uh, and it was looking like it was going to produce like uh, one of these like crazy multiple athletes sprint to the finish type uh, events. And she went around a turn. They're running down a downhill towards the beach. There was a couple of downs. There was a couple of little downhills, like mini downhills and a couple of uphills. This downhill was particularly tricky because it went down and then there was a, and it ve- the, the course veered pretty hard to the left. Uh, and, no one knocked her. It didn't seem like she even missed step. She just like skidded off her line and collapsed to the ground. It was super weird. Either she lost her footing, either the tread didn't get grip on the asphalt, or she maybe like overstepped slightly, but she just like went down on her own. It was super weird and like completely took her out of the race. Yeah. And that, you know, she spent the rest of the time chasing and, you know, she salvaged an eighth place finish. Um, you know, which is a fine run, but likely not something that she's happy with. And then a bit later in the race, and I think this was the most costly fall, involved two runners. So um looked like Ababel Yeshine, who's who's the current world record holder, was running in the lead pack. And uh, Jocelyn Jepkoskai, Kenya, who was uh, who was second at the last championships in 2018, um, just running behind her. And it looks like from from our angle from the camera angle it looked like jeb Koskai just clipped yeshine's heel and that sent yeshine to the ground and jeb Koskai too now jeb Koskai seemed to come out of the fall a bit better and just broke a bit of her stride um just enough to kind of send her off the lead pack but yeshine took longer to get up i think her fall was was harder she ended up passing jeb Koskai, but only finished fifth um, you know, kudos to Yeshine for coming back from that fall and finishing fifth, but also the third Ethiopian. So she contributed to the team score and Ethiopia ended up winning the, the team title. So, um, she ended up playing a, a pretty crucial role, but with her out of the, uh, of contention for the gold medal, it left kind of three women in front and they weren't the three women we thought would be there. So you have Jep cheer cheer. Yes. But after that, you have Melat Yisak Kajeda, who's a German athlete who came into the race with a personal best of 108, which is a fine time, but didn't even put her in the top 10 
of, of this field. It was an incredibly strong field and she looked strong throughout. She's running behind, she's in the lead pack the whole time and she's running behind seven or eight run runners, just trying to hold on. She's never run this pace and ends up finishing second in 65, 18, which is a national record for Germany, huge race. And the third runner in that pack was Yelemzerf Yehuala, who is a 21 year old Ethiopian. So really young in her career. And same thing, she ran with with incredible poise. So final result, 65-16 for Jeb Chirchir, 65-18 for Kajeta of Germany, and Yehuala goes 65-19. And I think the key stat to when you're looking at the women's results, quite incredible. You have six runners under 66 minutes, and there has not been one sub 66 minute time in the women's race, the world half marathon championships history. So it was an incredibly fast race. It was an incredibly strong race. So despite the falls, which were really the story of the race, um, the results are super impressive. Yeah. And I think that the, the real key moment and the kind of clippable rewatchable moment that you'll see on social media, uh, in the next, you know, minutes and hours is, well, first of all, our, those two weird falls. But I think thankfully, perhaps uh, from a uh, entertainment standpoint, the greatest moment in the race, in my opinion, was the, that closing couple hundred meters where you have these three athletes uh, stride for stride against each other. And uh, Perez, Jep Chirchir of Kenya, making this rather brilliant tactical move. So you're coming in, there's a couple hundred meters to go. It's probably about two, 250, maybe 300 meters to go. And, uh, she just makes this clever sidestep on the other two athletes where she sees the line. Cause there's a slight right turn before you finish in this finishing stretch that they've got on this weird, like platform, like a catwalk of a, maybe a hundred, 150 meters out onto the beach is where the finishing shoot is. And she makes this clever step to get the line and just quickly accelerates and cuts the others off. And that set her up for the win. And then she just sprinted in on the home stretch in the last 100 meters to take the win. A brilliant move. If you've not seen it, we'll try to grab a clip of it. I'm not sure, Alex, if you've already like retweeted it from somewhere else before, but like we'll try to grab a clip of it and either post it on we'll post it on Twitter and or we'll retweet it if we find it. Uh, or post it on on Twitter and Facebook and I guess maybe throw it in an Instagram story or something like that. Cause it's just like such a stellar moment. So like the, those were the three moments I think from this, like quite an exciting uh, race. Um, and we'll get into a little bit later about when we talk about uh, the differences of this year and previous years, uh, obviously due to our weird moment in history. But I think the fact that it was a 5k closed or semi closed course, that was repeated four times created kind of some intrigue and uh, some gamesmanship. And certainly Jeb cheer cheer saw that moment. She was like clearly thinking about it, lined like positioned her body, lined herself up, accelerated, saw the line, took it. It was like uh, we were doing the live pod. I said, it was kind of like watching like a, like an F one race car move where you like see the, the, the car kind of quickly like, drop into a line, accelerate really quickly and like take that line. And that ultimately uh, meant the the difference between first place and second place. Um, so awesome moment. I think probably 
tactically race wise top moment of the year. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, I can't think of a I whole. Mean, she's competing with Joshua Cheptegei following a light for at the same pace for 12 or 26 minutes. So I'm not sure if she has much competition, but yeah, a total, uh, a total baller move. Don't, don't, um, don't get me wrong. I love the fever dream. That was watching Joshua Cheptegei run in a, in a loop for 26 minutes, chasing a light or leading a light. But, uh, I would have to, I I'd go with rewatching this women's half marathon over pretty much any event this year, save maybe for the London marathon races, which were also pretty good too. I think we should mention too, because I think we kind of neglected to mention uh, this was a, a women's only world record by Perez Jepchirchir today. Um, she currently she held the current uh, women's only world record sixty five thirty four, and obviously her time today sixty five sixteen betters that. So uh, yeah, yeah, super impressive all around. Really high level race, uh, really competitive field that took it out very hard from the start. Uh, Know, delivered on the promise of being this uh, world-class event and also had some drama and you know you don't ever want to see uh, athlete errors falls accidents change the dynamic and the complexion of a race but in this case I still feel like uh, Perez Jipchir Cheer ran the best race of the day and was deserving of the win and obviously setting a women's only world record in the process is impressive in and of itself and probably ended up paying her about, I think they'll cut a check for 50,000 us dollars for, for the, for the world record, uh, as well. So there's that too. So let's get into the men's race. Let's pivot over here for a second to the men's race, which was also, um, also entertaining. Uh, if you're a distance running fan and if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you are, because otherwise, what the heck are you doing listening to this? Hi, mom. Uh, and <laughs> a little bit more of a gradual and uh, typical affair for a half marathon where it sort of evolved over time. The men's race was started at a much slower pace, and we were looking at kind of like a pretty pedestrian performance in the first 5k there's a huge group of athletes in the lead pack for quite some time and all eyes were on the ugandan athletes actually not the kenyan or not the ethiopian athletes but one ugandan athlete in particular uh uh, joshua chepta guy and then his teammate jacob kiplimo the 19 year old phenom uh, who was sort of seen as like, you know, uh, his, his partner, Jep, um, uh, sort of partner in crime in all of this actually ends up having the race of his life. Um, so he won the race in 58, 49 is the unofficial finishing time. It was his debut, Josh, uh, Jacob Kiplimo sub 59, Half marathon is your debut, Alex. I mean, that's like he's a he's a superlative, superlative talent. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I think, yeah, like you you said it. He was the dark horse coming in just simply because he didn't have the experience. He didn't have a half marathon uh, to his credit. Now, earlier this year, he showed really good fitness in the three thousand meter. Um, I think it was at the Golden Spike meet, if I'm not mistaken. He ran seven twenty six. Uh, and broke the Uganda national record 
And so you could tell he was in really good fitness. Then, then there were, were whispers of him doing workouts with Chepty guy. So some of the tools were there for a possibly good half marathon, but you know, you, you can't, you can't really extrapolate a 3000 meter to a half marathon time too confidently. Those are two very different races. So <laughs> yeah. you got to think is, you know, and also he's 19, he's very young. Is he going to have the stamina to put together a really good half marathon? His best time so far was, uh, I think before today it was 61 high. So um, we weren't quite sure uh, if he had that in him, but my God, he ran masterfully. He's his, um, his splits were, were completely negative. Um, just looking through the 5k splits, pretty impressive. So, um, the first 5k obviously was a big group, uh, run. It was pretty conservative for, for this, this caliber of men. They went through in 1419 and then at 10k, he was in the lead in 1404, uh, was the, the next 5k split from 10k to 15k. He went 1354 and then really started pouring it on and went 1338, uh, at 20k between 15 and 20k. So he just kept getting faster and faster. It was fun to see uh, Kiplimo and Kibiwat Candy duke it out. Now, Candy being more of a veteran of half marathons, is a Kenyan, uh, 24-year-old. Had a, he was the fastest man in the field in 58-38. But you were looking at both of them, and it was almost like the roles were reversed. You had Candy grimacing and looking around and really looking like he was concerning himself with everything but the race and Kaplimo just looking straight ahead and in guy slash Kipchoge fashion, just super stoic looking and, and going. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it bodes really well for Kaplimo, just the fact that he was training with guy And on the other hand, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking to see, to see guy kind of fall off the lead. I think a part of us really wanted to see, uh, him, close out the the trifecta of five 10k half marathon so yeah i um, think i think that's like in a, in a way maybe a little bit of a a bittersweet performance for him he ends up joshua cheptegai ends up in in fourth place i think i know i was kind of rooting for him to win this race and close out you know this flawless year of a 5,000 and a 10,000 meter world records on the track, a world championship half marathon. He also in the last 12 months ran um, a 5k road world record and a 10k road world record. So he would have just laid down this 12 month performance and certainly this one sort of dream season in what has otherwise been like a really tough year for everybody. And I think that would have, obviously like just been you know threaded the needle on this sort of perfect narrative that we're all looking for that was not the case uh but i think the the silver lining in all of this is that we've got ourselves another you young ugandan star uh jacob kiplimo who i'm super fascinated to see what he does next uh and kibiwa candy threw it down too and made it a really good race he put in a couple of the big surges uh earlier on and then uh, later in the race in order to make this one one an interesting one and i mean there's been like wally lang who came in third ran a, a quietly a really gutsy strong uh never give up style race where he kind of was yo-yoing back and forth and he seemed like he was really struggling at one point and then kind of fought back and beat chept guy for for that bronze medal 
which is cool to see. You know, you don't get to, you didn't get to see a lot of that in the race because the, the the lead cameras trained in on on what Kip Lima was doing, but we kind of got to witness that in the background. Well, an uh, indicator of how good Walla Lang ran is just his time. I mean, the course, yes, changes from year to year, but it's still worth mentioning his time of 59.08 was equal to Cam Waror's previous championship record, right, um, right. which means obviously the new championship record belongs to Caplimo now at 58.49. But uh, yeah, another thing worth mentioning, you look at you look at results from past years, on a regular year, you'd usually have anywhere between zero and three to four uh, people going under, or men going under the one hour mark. This year, the top 10 were all under an hour. Yeah. And I mean, it, a fast race doesn't necessarily equal an entertaining or a high quality race, right? But I think in both the men's and the women's cases, that was the fact today. That was the case that we'd got pretty strong performances and pretty strong entertainment value out of both of these races. Uh, let's, let's now move on from the men's race and talk a little bit about uh, the sort of new newish stars that we're now seeing emerge out of this and what that means for 2021 and beyond. I mean, first of all, I love the way Perez uh, Jep Chirchir races. Uh, I, I, she's got this sort of like, slashing style this very aggressive assertive running style and her 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 clear intelligence on the course and and heads up sort of capacity to like figure out tactically what she's doing and then totally deliver these like knockout punches in the race was uh was really on display here i think she's an exciting person to watch uh i'm looking forward to see what she does next year, you know, the money is definitely on the roads, right? The money is in the marathon. If we get anything resembling a world-class, you know, major marathon in 2021, we'll see someone like Perez Jepchirchir uh, more frequently than we have in the past. I think her, she's done a marathon, I think in like 223 or four. So she should be able to push under 220 for sure. And, uh, and race pretty competently like to see what she does uh if she gets selected for the olympic team uh for kenya next year and then obviously we talked for sorry same for caplimo yeah um, you know a, a guy who's who's now proven himself in the half marathon and young 19 year old going into an olympic year you wonder if he's going to make the early jump into the marathon or if he'll go down the five or 10k it looks like the sky's the limit for him especially given his three thousand meter speed yeah, I mean, on the one hand, one of the narratives that you should look out for uh, going into Tokyo next year is you might have the like the 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 dual Ugandan threat on the track, metal threat for the five and the ten thousand meters from um, Kip Limo and Cheptegei, which would be very cool. Uh, we know already that Joshua Cheptegei is a charismatic very likable figure he's good on stage he's good with a microphone um he's a good interview so uh i've not heard kip limo um be interviewed before so i don't know how like charismatic or not he is i mean ultimately you speak with your feet and distance running but at the same time it's always great to have like a, a front and center star and chepta guy has certainly taken that uh that step this year so 
we've got ourselves a couple of stars going into next year, which is kind of exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Uh, Alex, we're with the falls and then obviously with the fast times, like the shoes we haven't really talked about. We haven't really talked about the shoe wars. It seems like, uh, it seems like a different era now. It's like the pre pandemic. It's like, all we talked about was the goddamn Nike Vaporfly, Alpha Fly, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now it seems like now that we've got the level playing field, Adidas has got their shoe in the mix, the Addy Zero, uh, which is a very similar shoe. And at least it, it's supposed to be very competitive to the Nike shoe. And all the other brands have something out there. Uh, Saucony's got a shoe. I saw a couple pairs of Saucony at the start line on some of the athletes' feet. Um, it seems like these shoes are producing very fast times across the board. I mean, as you just mentioned before, in previous world championships, we never saw times to this at this level. We're now seeing basically like super hot half marathon performances, but in a unpaced uh, world championship race. So obviously in that, in that capacity, this technology has deeply affected uh, the sport. Hmm. And I think um, as we advance, perhaps the, the controversy lessens because I find myself watching races now and now with with the Adidas shoe coming out and with, you know, Saucony updating, uh, you know, better and better shoes coming out of different companies. I realized that the thing that I was hung up on and maybe what a lot of people were hung up on was the possibility that. Nike is just way better than other shoes and athletes who are not sponsored by Mike, by Nike uh, being found at the disadvantage. That's what, that's what kind of got me um, uh, kind of wary of, of, of the whole carbon fiber shoe debate. But I think as far as, as far as all, if all companies have a good shoe and if all athletes can have access to better shoes that are equal across brands, I don't really have a problem with it. For me, it always comes back to what happened at other sports. And it seems like other sports handled it differently, right? In baseball, you know, you have some bats that aren't allowed in the MLB because they're, they hit too hard. Right. And in hockey, uh, in contrast, you'll have, you know, hockey players played with wooden sticks for years. And, you know, I think in, what is it in the early 2000s? I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, they they started using carbon fiber, carbon fiber sticks and started shooting a whole lot harder. And that just became a part of the game and, and the game embraced it. So um, when I look at other sports, it seems like it's a, it's an inevitable thing. But as long as all athletes have access to as good technology, I'm totally fine with it. It does make for more exciting racing. I, I think I think that faster racing uh, almost always equals more exciting racing. I, I love to see fast times. I mean, well, I think I think on the women's side, we got a little bit of everything we got the incredibly fast times we got world record caliber times uh and but we also had a, a competitive race where you know the the nightmare scenario is kind of that um one athlete breaks away from the pack really early and then just kind of like drives this uh drives the event and maybe slows a little bit but has such a gap such a lead that they can't be caught and then you're just kind of watching the inevitable play out over time. And the only thing that's intriguing is whether or not the the lead uh, athlete is going to fade back or not. You know, this this in this case, we got 
a dream scenario. We got a super fast race. We got a competitive race where all the top athletes were in it. There was some drama, a couple of moments of, of, you know, total pure drama and mental mistakes. And then we've got a great tactical move and a sprint to the finish. We even had some, you know, some, some unknowns, some sort of dark horse players involved in the mix, taking medals and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it was, that was very exciting on the women's side and not dissimilar on the men's side as well. Um, the one thing we can say on the negative end and the question mark with the shoes is, and we'll only, who knows if we'll ever get the truth out of the athletes in this manner, in this matter, because, you know, they obviously cash checks that are, uh, given to them by these brands that make these shoes, but were the shoes, did the shoes have a negative impact on performance in terms of like cornering and particularly in, um, in a couple of the falls in the women's race, like did Gudeta's weird wipeout where she didn't seem to be tripped up by anybody, but just like merely slipped off the tarmac was that a, a shoe issue? Was that a stack height issue? Was that a traction issue with the, the outsole of the shoe not having a whole lot of rubber under there for weight purposes? I mean, who knows if we're ever going to get the truth behind that, but my suspicion is that, yes, these shoes are not great when there's a lot of turns. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it seems like common sense physics for a non for a non-physicist that if you're uh if you're on top of a of a higher stack height chances are it's it's probably less stable it's probably more easy to slip i mean we're we're limited to our own experiences with the the carbon fiber shoes and i think you tried the nike ones i tried the saucony ones in the rain and yeah I, i find it slipperier than 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 a regular shoe but you know what i think we need is uh are some studies around those shoes, some objective studies that have nothing to do with Nike or Hoka or Saucony just have some, and there have been some early studies, but have, you know, some pretty rigorous studies to see, okay, Adidas has a shoe. Now, a lot of companies have a shoe now, which one's faster, which one is better under certain conditions. We want to know that it'd be, it, it probably would be difficult to, to get out. There are a lot of stakes involved with a study like that. But at this point, um, I think we, again we're we're past we're past the point where we see Nike as the unequivocal best, and people are going to want to know which shoe is the best. And, yeah, certainly, and, certainly the Adidas shoe performed really well today, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, Chip Cheer Cheer is an Adidas athlete, and you know looked very competent in those shoes and very speedy. Uh, uh, Jacob Kiplimo, I believe, was wearing the Nike uh, Vaporfly, if I'm not mistaken. Either I the Alpha so. or the Vaporfly. Candy, KB Watt Candy. Candy's an Adidas, Adidas athlete, Adidas as, well, athlete right? as well. So yeah, so I mean, the Adidas shoe did well. So I, I think that's something like we just a year ago. I remember we were, we were, we were looking at the New York City Marathon, and it really felt like um, there was a big question mark going into that race was whether the Adidas prototype they had on. Um, Jip Koskai's feet was going to perform well, and it did because she won the race. So it's 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 nice to see the uh, playing field seemingly somewhat balancing. I still have a lot of question marks about some of the details of that, and I wonder about the competitiveness of some of the the smaller brand shoes. But only time will tell. So 
I think the big question mark going into this one, Alex, was, and it will be a question mark for the next week or two as we keep an eye on the aftershocks of this event. Hopefully there aren't, aren't any, but is whether or not this race should have happened. Um, I'm still not certain about that. I just took a quick glance at the daily COVID uh, case numbers in Poland. Saturday numbers, a record 9,622 new cases on Saturday alone in Poland as this race is going on. Right. And they, they the previous record for cases in a day was set the day I before think yesterday the at eight thousand ninety nine. So that's climbing fast. So each Yikes. day it's 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 growing um, at you know a, a pretty scary rate. And this is a country that seemingly did really well with or did really well with the pandemic in the spring early on. Uh, they put in pretty severe lockdown measures, apparently, and didn't have over a thousand cases a day ever until a couple of weeks ago. And uh, are they're dealing with the same problems a lot of other nations are dealing with in terms of the social debate, the political debate um, swirling around this pandemic about whether or not to lock down economies, whether or not to enforce very strict measures. Um, you know, we saw people on this course, they changed the course. There was supposed to be 27,000 people in this race. There was supposed to be a big mass race behind all these athletes. Obviously they, they scuttled that. They, they canceled that in the end of August, clearly not possible for that to happen. That would have been just such a disaster. And they changed the course to a 5k closed loop course. Although we still saw people out in the streets watching the race. I mean, there was still a lot of people in the race, not uh, on, on the streets, not wasn't jam packed, but there were people out there. Probably shouldn't have been the case. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't love the way the start of this race looked optically. You know, you had the whole start field, the men's and the women's, crowded together. Um, you know, uh, the athletes not didn't have to wear a mask at the start line, uh, which you know, hopefully we don't come to regret that in a couple of weeks. But certainly, countries like our own country, Canada, they pulled. The, the Athletics Canada, the governing body of the sport in our country, pulled our national team on, what was it, Tuesday of this week and just said, we're not sending anybody. This is ridiculous. This is just, there's just too many risks at hand here, both in terms of travel through Europe and staying in a hotel in Poland uh, and then getting out of there afterwards. There's just, the, the risk is too high. So, yeah. and other countries also pulled their athletes as well. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if this is going to come back to haunt us. I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. And for, for the sake of future races as well, um, it seems like they really took on uh, something like bubble mentality for, for this race. You know, we saw this morning, yeah, you know, all the runners are, are really close at the start line. They're crammed together. Um, I'm guessing the way that they thought about it was once you're in this bubble, you play the sport like we usually play the sport, kind of like what happened in the NBA and the NHL, right? You, you, um, you pass your test. As soon as you're in the bubble, you are considered to be COVID free. Uh, these athletes were tested before coming in, into Poland. We know that. Yes. Right. Yeah. We, so, we, we talked to some Canadian athletes that while they were still planning on going late last week and early this week were, were tested, um, by a sort of the world athletics, uh, mandated the testing. Uh, before they left and I, I 
I was told that there was multiple tests that were done after athletes arrived. I think a, a test upon arrival, and I believe there was also a scheduled test like just before the race as well. I'm, I'm assuming as late as yesterday. So, right. So the the supposition is that once you get on the start line, you are um, you're COVID free. You're tested COVID free. Um, so I guess That's this is the only way that they could do it with the with the clear with the clear conscience, right? Um, but again, like we said in, in earlier, in earlier podcasts, and I think in our preview, what happens in the next few weeks is going to inform how we, how we deal with races in the coming year. Um, same thing happens with the London marathon. It's going to decide whether or not, you know, we can go through with, with spring races, um, at, or least, at, least, at least spring elite races or very small races, small um, races. They're pretty, yeah, exp- I this think it's a pretty expensive thing to go through. I mean, I do wonder about 2021 and we can. We can we can uh, debate and unpack this in a in a different forum, but in a different podcast because it's its own subject. But like, what do we do moving forward? Um, what's the dollar amount on this? Was this prohibitively expensive to do this? Certainly, London must have cost a fortune to put on. Um, and but are there uh, various learnings that can be taken away from this? I'm sure World Athletics has taken quite a few notes. If they get a couple of weeks down the road and there are zero positive uh, cases coming back that connect to this world championships, maybe that's a little microcosmic study for, say, next year's uh, events, uh, an elite-only race. Maybe, I don't know how you pull it off on a grand scale in the Olympics, but perhaps there's a way you can expand it out um, and strategize. Perhaps that's part of the reason why World Athletics went through with this is almost an experiment. It's mm-hmm. scary to think about. You're experimenting with, you know, 120 athletes' uh, health, but uh, or rather 250 athletes' health, plus their entourages. So you're, you're dealing with probably several hundred people. Anyway, only time will tell. We'll certainly be reporting on it and keeping an eye on it. Uh, if we do start hearing of positive cases that came out of this, and that would be super disappointing and 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 you know, really frustrating and scary, mm-hmm. but we hope for the best. Um, finally, let's leave on a, a positive note here. Here's the hot take this year, this season, this let's call it the summer season, starting with those, uh, diamond league, uh, races in the summertime that started happening. And then, we had, let's see, we had that weird one hour on the track world record attempts in, in Belgium involving Mo Farah and Sifan Hassan and Bridget Koskai. It was you know, an, interest, an interesting event. And then we had the NN World Record Day event that was put on by the NN running team uh, where we saw uh, some great five and 10,000 meter world record performances, performances I never thought I would see in my lifetime. We had the London Marathon, this weird closed event that produced this extremely dramatic series of races. And now this, the World Championships Half Marathon, which I thought also were like pretty high caliber entertainment. Was this season like, was it kind of better than your typical summer, fall season in a weird kind of way from an entertainment, from like a pure running nerd entertainment standpoint? Question mark? I think I... Hmm. I was, I was, uh, I think I came in it with pretty low expectations. Maybe that's right? like everything else. You see, you see everything get canceled. 
Um, at one point, you just hope to see one kind of race. At one point, they're doing these like virtual races where you have was it like Andre de Grasse sprinting from Canada and then that Noah was, Lyles is in the States and at the same time. And in I, retrospect, you know, that was like kind of garbage, right? Like it was, was garbage, yeah. but it was, that's what we saw our normal to be. That's what we thought the full year would be like. So as soon as, you know, we saw a few people racing at the same time on the track of those first early diamond league meets, we were pretty content. So I think we came in with low expectations, but no, at the same time, some people really brought it. I remember reading an article about, this wasn't about running. This was just about humans in general during the pandemic. They separate in two camps. There are those who say, okay, you know, this is, this is a weird time. I'm going to lay low and just kind of do me until this is over. And I'm going to watch a lot of Netflix. I'm going to take a couple of me months and, and recover. And then you have another camp saying, okay, I have a lot of time to myself. Let's get it. Let's be as productive as possible. And I think we all fall in, in some part at some point in the spectrum, but I think the running world kind of separated like that too. You'll have like, you had a few athletes in the diamond league who made these statements saying, you know, screw this. I'm done. You'll see me in 2021. And then you have the Chepta guys and the Hassans and the cost guys. And even Mo Farah came out of the woodwork, apparently <laughs> who just went for it and said, you know what? Okay. I'm fit. This was going to be my Olympic year. Let me show people what I can do. And also I think in, in that camp of athletes who were decided to make the most of the situation, there was kind of a, I, I don't know what to call it. Like almost a, like a, a chivalrous or a, like a, a kind of feeling of pride. Some of them, you know, kind of taking ownership of the moment and saying, you know, this is a pretty brutal time for everyone. I'm going to ent entertain some folks here and, you know, deliver a good performance. Like yeah. you heard that in Chepty guys uh, interview after his 10, 10,000 meter world record. He said, you know, this is, this is a difficult time. Um, want to show people the track is is fun and entertaining and people can be entertained right now and it was kind of some people took it took it upon themselves to save the sport and i think chepty guy was a big a big proponent of that specifically um so i thought i thought the year the year was great i'm kind of sad to know that that uh we're probably gonna have to wait a while for another another big event like that because i had fun covering it but uh yeah i think it was it was definitely much better than what i expected Maybe better than a regular year. Yeah, hard to say. I don't know, man. As you're talking, I'm like, like talking myself out of it. In that, I was thinking about like, you know, no Berlin, no Chicago, no New York City marathons, and I think the special thing about New York, in particular, I think about like that race is just, um, it's a special experience all the way back. Fifty thousand, fifty-five thousand people. It's a special experience for all those people, and it sucks that they didn't happen. Mm. And uh, I'm perhaps getting a bit short-sighted. Although one thing does stand out, as you were saying about the sort of like um, the division between sort of like the two COVID pandemic times experiences and approaches. Um, one of the most annoying tweets that kept floating around in the opening, you know, couple of weeks of the, the pandemic was, um, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during, uh, during the great plague <laughs> or the black plague, one of the plagues. Yeah. King Lear, Shakespeare like got down to business and wrote King Lear and you, and like kind of, this was going around like journalism and writing Twitter, like, you know, and kind of like, 
get your act together and start working on the great project now. And yeah, you know, most of us didn't do that. Uh, most of us sat on our ass, but Joshua Cheptegei definitely entertained and definitely like wrote the track equivalent of King Lear. Uh, didn't quite finish it off in this uh, world half marathon championships, you know, a bit of a weak fifth act for him, unfortunately, but uh, ultimately a super entertaining year. All right. Let's leave this reaction pod at that. Uh, Alex, I think one last thing we're going to do is we're going to tackle, what's it called? The Marathon Challenge in December? The Marathon Project. Marathon uh, Project. Shit, I always like screw up that name. Yeah, yeah. We're still finding out a lot about that, but it uh, looks like a, a, and some kind of international challenge. Looks like it's going to be, it's going to be, um, well, it's going to be a good break from nothingness in December. There's not much going on in December. So it's, right. it's nice. So we'll, we'll cover the hell out of that. It's a, it's a closed race, not dissimilar to the ones we've seen recently in London and now with the world championships in, in Poland, where it's going to be this like opportunity for uh, mostly American and Canadian athletes to elite athletes to try to qualify for the Olympics or, or in the American case where they've already chosen the Olympic team for next year to run a really fast, legit marathon. Cause there will be, if you're going to, if it's, if it counts, it's got, there's gotta be like doping control. It's going to be a measured legal course. So it's going to be a record legal course. Uh, from a Canadian perspective, I'm excited. Cause there's like a, a slew of top level Canadians that are going to be running this marathon, trying to get those qualifying spots for the Olympics next year. And this is a really exciting time for our country in terms of the the quality of distance running. And like all of a sudden it's like, it's all these different athletes vying for an Olympic spot. So that's pretty cool. And clearly there's going to be a lot of Americans that are, that are going to be looking to run really fast. So we're going to cover that race. And I think it's going to create a lot of interesting storylines, good content opportunity for us. So we'll be all over that in the next coming weeks, unpacking that. But uh, until then we'll, uh, We'll shut this pod down. Uh, we've got a website now. Hey, you've got, got a website. website. Thexcorg, just like our social media handles, which are thexcorg as well. Thexc.org. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, take a look at our site. We're going to be feeding the beast regularly. We'll be posting um, insights, a lot of like opinion, uh, point of view stuff. Uh, and we're going to try to do beyond what your typical running, uh, you know, we're going to be continue to do what we've been doing before. We're going to be doing a lot of the podcasting. We're going to be doing a lot of, uh, uh, insight and analysis, uh, beyond just the, we're not going to be cranking out like, uh, news stories. It's not going to be our, our game. So, all right, Alex, I'm excited. We're going to, we're going to carry on. Um, I think we're going to get the band back together again for a like top five stories of the week story uh, uh pod with andrew uh on perhaps monday so keep an eye on your feed for that and uh thanks for listening